0: So I'm filling in for our brother David Delk. Uh, He is out of town, uh, as well as Jason, uh, too. And so I am going to try to be using his PowerPoint that he had previously prepared for this lesson. Uh, And so I think it was, you know, well-organized thoughts. And so it's sometimes somewhat challenging to use someone else's material. But we'll, we'll work ourselves through this. You know, so clearly he's uh, organized the lesson tonight to address the subject of anger. And anger is one of those emotions that you know, we're all familiar with in one way or another. And it's an emotion that we have dealt with and probably will deal with again at some point in our life. But it's important to realize anger is an emotion. You know, it, it is a feeling of displeasure. It is also could be defined as a a product where it is the result or the reaction to some real or maybe even an imaginary injury or insult or damage of some kind to yourself or to another that you value uh, or something you hold in honor. And so we rea- it is a reactionary emotion and it can be complex. You know, it is not an easy thing to deal with. It is not an easy thing to address. And if you think about just all the various degrees of anger. You know, from something that's uh, very mildly ups- uh, upsetting to indignation. You know, where you could be upset to the point of, uh, uh, okay, you demand an answer of some kind. Then you have you know, perhaps a form of anger, the idea of wrath where wrath generally does not go unexpressed. You, know, you may not express your anger, but generally wrath is going to manifest itself and, and it will demand an answer of some kind eventually. And then you have perhaps you know, a stronger form of all of that, and that's the idea of fury. And so with that particular aspect of anger, uh, usually it is a loss of emotional control, and you know, sometimes what comes with that is violence or rage. And so you have this loss of control to do something that maybe the person may not even remember you know, farther down the way. And so anger is uh, a natural emotion, a natural reaction that you know, probably most of us all have had in one degree or another. And it's also something that we probably have dealt with in dealing with other people. And so when you think about the subject of anger, you you should be mindful of what Jesus says or the Spirit says in Ephesians 4, verse 31. We're talking to us Christians then and now, and we are told, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And so... We're told we're to put it away. We're to put it out of our life, The subject of anger. And yet it's an emotion that happens. And so we hopefully can address some of the proper ways to deal with that. The word anger uh, in the New Testament comes the uh, uh, Greek word that looks something like orge, O-R-G-E. And if you define that, you define a definition, definition such as this, where it's, it's something that seethes within you, and it might break out in some form or fashion in your words or in your action. And generally, when it does, it's, it's a kind of attack. Uh, and so you, you approach the one, you know, the basically where perhaps, you know, the person or the character uh, where you express your, your, your contempt for what's what's happened, or your contempt for them. Wrath is a different word. Uh, It's a Greek word that looks like something thumos, T-H-U-M-O-S, and generally it's defined as a boiling agitation. Uh, And so you think about the idea of anger and all the different degrees of that, and how anger... Adversely affects lies in so many different ways. And you got all kinds of degrees of that. And Proverbs helps us to look at anger and to try to understand anger, and maybe in so doing to understand ourselves better, and how perhaps when we react poorly, and how perhaps we can react you know, more wisely. But anger, as you see in this particular, uh, let me get this moving here. It's not going to do, that will help. There. Get it on. There. Uncontrolled anger. And so you have Proverbs 14, 17 says, a quick-tempered man acts foolishly. And maybe we have been that foolish man at one point or another in dealing with the situation. But uh, I think David did a good job finding a a picture that kind of illustrates the foolishness of this kind of anger. Where basically it's uncontrolled. You react very badly in, in that moment. And... And maybe it's, it's something just you're out in the, out in the community, you're dealing, with, you're dealing with society and society frustrates you, it irritates you and it, you might be in traffic, you might be in the grocery line and your emotions begin to be stirred by the situation. Maybe your emotion gets a little bit stirred because in some sense you have been attacked. You've been basically someone, you know, swerved right in front of you, not only in, on the road, but in the grocery line. You're walking up there and they run in front of you. you know? And so it, you, it just irritates you and you find yourself you know, emotionally feeling that. You know? and, the, and I think it's important to understand that emotional reaction, that initial reaction is a natural thing. Anger is is a natural emotion that God has given us that He tends for us to control and use properly. But the thing, when you think about when it, but when it's uncontrolled, you know, let's say, you know, like say you're, you're you're in the store and you got upset with a clerk, and and maybe the clerk did do something wrong, maybe you know they did say something you know they shouldn't have said, and, and maybe in your own mind you feel very justified. In your reaction. And so then, but if you allow that anger to kind of boil out in an uncontrolled way, then what happens usually, we made ourselves look foolish. And so Solomon in Proverbs 14 says, a quick tempered man. You know, if you think of the idea of someone who loses that control very quickly and then responds and acts in a certain way, you know, what he says or what he does, you know, that is not the way particularly a Christian should react. And we present ourselves to be somewhat foolish. And there's a a thought that... uh, and David jot down, I really like this question he, 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 he you know, put down. He says, What if that person, you know, and he says you chased or yelled at, you know, what if that person showed up now for the Lord's Day worship? That's a good question to think about. And how our reactions and our handling of our anger. You know, in the community, not just among ourselves, but in the community, what we say or how we say it or what we do or how we act you know, may not be the example or the light we need to be to show Christ's likeness. You think about that. Is Christ's likeness seen in us when, our, when we conduct ourselves in such an angry way, you know, maybe not quite like this picture, but you know, if we react in a way and it somewhat has that foolish appearance to it. You know, and so yes, that makes us stop and think. You know, that it is an area of my life or an area of our lives that we need to make sure we're keeping in check. You know, God has given us all of our emotions and He tends for all of our emotions to be used properly in a fashion that ultimately does good, sows the seed of the kingdom, and, and saves souls. And so you know, you know, there is a time to be angry, but even in that time to be angry, it has to be a time for the right kind of anger in the right way and you know and I thought about you know, you know we so often think about the 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 story of Jesus and the cleansing of the temple and and I looked at John 2, and I looked over in Matthew and Mark's account. And when you, when you look at a couple of the Gospels accounts there, it's interesting to me when it talked about the zeal of the Lord. And zeal has to do with fervency, passion. And Jesus had this passion for His Father. And He had this passion for the house of the Lord and, and what it stood for and how it's, it was to be used. And when He comes and sees people doing business in the, in the temple ground area, they weren't in the sanctuary they were just around the temple. It's the zeal of the Lord that moved him to take action as the Son of God. But it struck me when I, you know, when I go back and look at that example, it doesn't say he was angry. Now we can you know, we think, oh, all zeal, you know, we might think it has anger in it, but, but not necessarily. You can be zealous and fervent and passionate about something That's right, even against something that is wrong, and not be angry. Now, Jesus was angry at times, so you don't want to dismiss the fact. But Jesus' anger, just like his father's anger, is and has always been a perfect anger. And so we need to be careful sometimes when we want to lump everything with our emotions as well. This is a righteous anger. Like let's let's be cautious to be quick to justify our reactions. It might be a righteous anger. Yeah, but let's be cautious. And the Proverbs approaches anger not so from the standpoint of you know, the righteous anger that's, you know, that's handling a situation properly, but rather dealing with just the emotion and how that emotion... If you think about it, anger is volatile. <laughs> it really is a volatile emotion. And it's one of those emotions that we better keep a short leash on it. We don't let it better let that give it a long lease and let it run out there away from us. We better keep good good reins on, on that anger. And I believe the proverbs do try to express you know, that point. Yeah, I really appreciate the way David organized his, his thoughts in, in talking about it. He, he begins by saying, okay, the effects of uncontrolled anger. Basically, what, what are some of the problems that you know, grow out of an uncontrolled anger? And so he looks at a number of different proverbs you know, that you know, bring out different points that helps us guide our thinking and guide our thoughts about why anger is one of those emotions that you know we need to be keeping in check. You know, it's it's a it's an emotion that unchecked can very easily you know get out of control. You know, anger is you know, like many emotions, really, for that matter. But you know, anger is is an emotion that clearly in in life, in the world, and even among Christians, at times. It creates problems. It can create relationship problems. And sometimes those problems even carry over to other problems. And so what we realize, anger, the emotion anger, generally speaking, does not solve the problem. Most of the time, anger doesn't solve the problem with other people. Usually anger, when it's not kept in check, not under control, usually, in a very general sense, it will escalate. It will escalate. Anger will. And when it escalates, it just starts going into you know, other kind of problems of contention and strife. And, and you see that in, in these Proverbs. For example, in Proverbs 29, verse 22, it talks about how an angry man stirs up strife. You know, and you're like, well yeah, that's, that is so true. But just take a second and think about that. An angry man stirs up strife. Just think about our, our 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 marriages. In moments, perhaps, you know, we as a spouse got upset with the other spouse, and we got angry. And maybe the anger was a natural reaction, but we allowed that anger to get a little bit out of control in what we said or how we said it. You know, how we handled the situation. And you think about that idea, you know, when we get angry that way and we're not keeping it in check, so we communicate Properly and effectively with each other, you know, that anger usually did not solve the problem. When you're when you're when you finally cool down, the problem was still there. And you still had to address the issue. And so you think about what Solomon by you know the direction of God's Holy Spirit and says, a man or angry man stirs up strife. And it does. That is so true. And we, and we think about times in our own life when, you know, you know perhaps we ourselves may have been angry on some, some level and, and our anger didn't help the situation. And we had to cool down to finally be able to resolve and work through the situation. But then you look over to the 30th chapter of Proverbs. We won't look at all the ones that are listed there, but in the 30th chapter of Proverbs on this idea of how it causes strife. And this one is is such a good one because of the imagery that is laid down to kind of understand the anger part of it. You know, uh, verse 3 is really not trying to teach you about how to churn milk. (laughs) Nor is it trying to tell you about how to bring blood from someone's nose. That's really not what he's trying to teach us. It's trying to teach us about you know what anger churns up. You know, what damage anger causes. And so you think about th- this imagery, you know, something very simple and kind of, okay, starts off, oh, just churning milk. That's that's hard work. I've never done it. But to imagine trying to churn milk. You know, uh, I In my youth, I remember trying to, you know, the hand crank ice cream. You know, I'm so grateful for electric churns now. <laughs> you know, and so think about churning milk. You know, the churning of milk produces butter. There's a lot of work, you know, but that cock pr- uh, brings a product at, after the end. But then he switches that from this, like, oh, this image of milk, you know, going into butter, you know, how, how sweet that is, how good. And then he says, oh, but then he comes and pressing the nose brings forth blood. Woo, that's, you know, gone from milk to blood. But even that, he, he says, the real point is the next phrase. That's the real issue. Yeah. Because uh, you think about, Generally speaking, you know, a bloody nose will stop bleeding and it will heal. As painful as that may be, it will heal. But what about, you think about that last, the churning of anger, the stirring up anger, you know, and what it produces, and it produces strife, and sometimes that doesn't heal so easily, does it? And sometimes scars are left, and sometimes some things, Don't ever really heal over completely. And that's a different story. But you think anger, it's such a volatile thing. And yet such a natural thing in our life for us to be stirred emotionally by something that's upsetting. And, And when wrong has been done to yourself or to those you love, you think about sin and be angry at sin and what sin does. And so, yes, we begin to see a sense of justification in that reaction. But even in those moments, we've got to be careful. It's easy for our emotion to start to get out of control. And so so we see some of the Proverbs address the idea, okay, what's the effect of it? What what, What will anger cause? Well, anger will cause problems, and one of the problems, it will cause strife. Anger usually does not resolve the problem. It just stirs up the problem. And then he, then you think uh, there over in the 19th you know, chapter uh, of Proverbs where it then talks about how this, you know, this idea of the angry man in that emotional state, you know, in that emotional condition, the angry man usually is not in the frame of mind or in the frame of heart to listen really, to learn perhaps what they, they need to learn. Uh, and we think about ourselves at times, perhaps, when our spouse, you know, and we were upset, and, and the spouse is, is, is trying to you know, uh, communicate to us, and, but in our, in our mental state, we're not really listening like we should. And so you think about what is said in the 19th verse of Proverbs 19. He says, A man of great anger will bear the penalty, for if you rescue him, you'll only have to do it again. Think of that last phrase. Talk about the anger man. You don't want to jump into that hornet's nest. You know? Because the, 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 the anger man in that condition of heart and mind is really is no condition to really hear you to the point of as Jesus says, let him who have ears hear. You know, he may have the ears and he may hear you, but he is not hearing you. And perhaps we've made that mistake ourselves as well. Uh, and so you think of that, that idea of, of the, uh, you know, where you've got an anger man, a wrathful man, who perhaps doesn't want to hear what you have to say in that condition. Maybe you know, it's an ongoing uh, anger issue and so he's not learning from his own mistakes. And so, you know, there's this you know, lesson he said, you know, Solomon gives us when he says about the, you know, the man of great anger. And if you try to rescue him in that mindset, you're going to have to do it again because it's, it's not going to sink in. It's not going to take root, you know, to be able to do that. And then you think uh, the other uh, uh, point that uh, David brings out is the idea of how anger leaves us defenseless and how true that is. You know, you know I think perhaps sometimes when we're angry, we think, you know, you know, you know we're, we're in control and we're stronger by expressing our anger. Yeah, but that's really not true. And so in Proverbs chapter 25, in 25 verse 28, you know, when it says, like a city that's broken into and without walls. And so basically, you know, like a city that all its defenses have been removed. There's nothing to protect this city. He says, is a man who has no control over his spirit. Now, now anger is not the only issue of the spiritual part of our life that we need to have control of. But anger would fall under that thought. When we we are in an angry state of mind and how we are reacting with anger, we have really torn down our defenses and we're exposing ourselves. And when I I really think of that idea of exposing ourselves through an out-of-control anger, uh, I can't help but think of what Paul says in Ephesians 4. And so often we turn there and we want to emphasize, you know, verse 26, you know, you know, is it said, be angry and yet do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. And we, we hone in on that, especially if we think our anger is a justified anger and, and ours is a like righteous indignation. We, we're going to turn to Ephesians, you know, Ephesians 4, 26, and maybe that's, you know, that is justifiable. But what I want you to just focus on is Verse 27 in this concept of anger and out of control of anger you know how it leaves us defenseless and it talks about how he says in the same almost in the same breath when talk about this anger not letting the anger lead you to sin and he says and do not give the devil an opportunity do not give the devil an opportunity and the devil loves to catch us in our emotional upheavals because in our emotional upheavals whatever, you know, whatever emotion is in those you know, emotional upheavals we generally speaking are not the most rational you know, we're not the most spiritually focused you know, uh, it's not saying we've thrown everything out the window but generally speaking you know, we, we are stirred by our emotions and you think how anger, how anger does that to us And how the devil can take that emotion and he can really use it against us. And so you think about what what Solomon says. Like a city that is broken and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. So you think about what if his spirit has no control over his anger. And And the spirit through Paul tells us, okay, if you're going to be angry, don't sin. But do not give the devil an opportunity. That's why we, we got to keep anger on a short leash. Don't ever let it get very far from us. Because if we let it out, the devil's going to jump on that. And he's going to manipulate it and and we can be blindsided by our own anger. And the devil doesn't really care how we sin with our anger. He just wants us to sin. He just wants us to you know, stumble, Cameron, Bill. And so you know, to me, I, you know, I really liked this point that uh, David brought out, the idea of anger you know, kind of leaving us defenseless. I think that's a very powerful
1: point. I mean, the whole time you've been on this slide, I've <clears throat> been thinking about practical applications for today. This feels like the right place to talk about you know, social media and the opportunities that it provides like it it's neutral you know it's it's just there as a platform but it it provides a mechanism by which you can be angry and express it easily Mm -hmm. you know that you've you've got the protection of your own room protection of the laptop you don't have to confront someone so it it's a danger in that sense where we can when I thought about it, was in your first uh, the first application in twenty nine and, and twenty two. Uh-huh. Right, yeah. People on the internet. I mean, if you want to stir up strife, it is very easy to do. Like you don't have to make an effort, and and uh, it's yeah, true. Um, and so it, it's. I don't have a solution other than uh, I think part of what he's he's describing here is that you need to recognize that this exists. You know, in social media. As an example that I'm drawing out, recognize that it's very easy to turn your anger into wrath uh, mm-hmm. and, and stir it up. So, so be, be mindful of that as we're uh, conversing on those yeah. Yeah. You know, platforms.
0: Well, I remember the, the, the class that you did, Bill, a couple of years ago you know, with the young people, and, and you, you know, talked about these issues with, with social media and, and phones and computers and is made of some very good points there being careful of the use of that platform and in it not controlling us as well someone else may want to sh- share some thoughts you know, he's got a couple more uh, points of effects that we're going to bring up in the next side slide maybe someone else would like to add some things related to these, these thoughts that God is speaking to us and trying to uh, admonish us and instruct us in regard to this emotion that we have you know you know, we will be angry at times. And so, you know, we need to recognize the aspects of this and so that anger doesn't control us. Brother John.
1: About Proverbs 15 and verse 18, it talks about the hot-tempered man. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, that's the person. He's kind of spring-loaded, hair-triggered, just waiting for somebody to do something to make him angry. And, of course... Mm-hmm. That is the opposite of what Jesus teaches. And the yes. Beatitudes, Blessed are the Peacemakers. Uh, Romans 14 talks about pursuing the things that make for peace and those kinds right. of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh, so no point. Christian has any right to be a, the hot-tempered person.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, that's a good point to bring that out. Yes. Anyone else? Uh, Brother Gerald yeah. over here. I'm going to go ahead and forward the slide here. But we're going to listen to Gerald's point. The, the second part of Ephesians four, verse twenty-six, uh, says, "Do not let the sun go down on your anger." And so, you need to take care of it quickly. Right. Don't don't let
1: it don't let it stay. And if you do, that's when you give the devil opportunity. Yes. Yes.
0: yes. And so, yeah, resolving you know the anger issue is important as soon as soon as you can. Because it you know, like I say, If it stays, generally anger is going to start boiling. <laughs> it starts seething. Well, he also you know, brought out the idea how anger anger can be somewhat contagious. And so over in the 22nd chapter of Proverbs, you know, reading there, you know, verse 24, 25, it says, Do not associate with a man given to anger, or go with a hot-timbered man, or you will learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. And so, you know, the New Testament speaks of the... The concern that we should have with the people that we associate with is—you're familiar with, you know, 1 Corinthians you know, chapter 15, verse 33. Bad company corrupts good morals. In that context, it's talking about false teachers, but there's a principle that is overriding there, and that, thats true with you know, we are you know people who can be influenced, and we are people who do influence. And so, kind of like what Bill said, we just need to be aware of these things, acknowledge the reality of this issue and the delicateness of this and the danger of this. And the fact is, you know, it can be contagious. And so if we are around angry people all the time and what happens is we find ourselves, you know, reacting in similar ways and and we don't need to be that way as Christians. Especially if you think about how if, that, if, if you're with that people in the, in, the, in the world, you bring that home, that kind of reaction, reacting to situations badly and poorly, you bring that into your home and your family and perhaps in dealing with your spouse or even with your kids. And we definitely don't need to be teaching our kids through, our, through a bad example uh, that anger and uncontrolled anger is the right way to solve problems. Yeah, and so you think about how we don't want to catch anger. You know, we talk about you know, the danger of the virus and being, and being concerned and being careful and respectful for people. You know, uh, and anger is something you don't want to catch. <laughs> you, know, you don't want to be infected with this you know, because it's a destructive emotion when untreated, undealt with. And the last effect that he brings out here is the idea of basically, you know, there it, there is this sense of lasting problems. You know, that, you know, uh, and you look at there in the 18th you know, chapter, verse 19. You know, he says, A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a citadel. And so... Well, you know, kind of go to the point that both John and Gerald brought out the idea of handling anger correctly and properly and efficiently and effectively you know if not, you know generally what happens anger is going to cause lasting problems and go back to the earlier question that you know David you know, kind of had his, in, in, in his introductory notes and the idea of you know, if if your anger is being directed. Particularly to someone in the community, uh, someone that, you know, you, you know, that needs to hear the gospel, someone who needs to be converted and brought to Christ. You know, you know, if, you know, so you think, here's a person who's not a Christian, and if we are not handling ourselves in a Christ-like way in dealing with our anger properly and not sinning with it, you, know, you think about you know We might have lost an opportunity to save a soul because of you know we didn't handle this situation you know the way we should and so the effects of uncontrolled anger are are many and and perhaps there are others that you you could kind of Think, think about and, and list when, we're, and when you're given the time to meditate on that you know, some more. But let's going kind to of move on and go to another point that, you know, that David you know, has brought out in, in looking at the Proverbs. And that is, you know, you know, what, you know, what leads to anger? What are some of the things that lead up to this emotion of anger? And he talks about hatred. Well, you know, that's, you know, you know, that one's an obvious one to us. Proverbs 10 verse 12 kind of brings that out. Uh, you know, think about it in 1 John 3, hatred uh, is, uh, is put on the same level as what other sin in John 3. Murder. You know, so you think you think of the degrees of how this pendulum can swing. You know, we don't, we don't like to think about that. Yeah, you know, but hatred—that—that that, you know, uh, uh, sinful attitude is is equated with with murder, according to the you know, the Epistle of First John. And so you think about these kind of things that lead up to anger. Pride is another one. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, you, you know, which yeah, you know, we can understand that pretty you know, pretty well. But I wanted to, to read really the, the two on backbiting whispering. I, I just wanted to kind of read those those two references this evening in our study. And so in, in 25, in twenty-five, and you think in verse twenty-three, and so think think about the idea of words. So often, our anger—you know—one of the first way anger is going to manifest itself is our words. You know, the uh, if anger is is uncontrolled, generally, you know, our words are unbridled as well. And so, you know, listen to what what wisdom says to us in the twenty-fifth chapter, verse twenty-three. Yeah, I going to back up. Let me back up a little bit. You know, let's start back in verse twenty-one. Verse 21, If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. And if he's thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, for the Lord will reward you. Does that sound familiar? It should. You know, that's Romans 12 there. Talking about not taking vengeance. And so, and so here, you know, that, that thought is first expressed to us in the wisdom literature of Solomon, and then so so it's okay, you know we need to conduct ourselves properly and handle situations correctly, and it is then he goes immediately into this next verse, verse twenty three. The north wind brings forth rain and a backbiting tongue. You know, and I have a marginal reference that says a tongue of secrecy. You know, another way to kind of describe what is being communicated here. And a backbiting tongue, you know, what does it bring? It brings an angry countenance. You know, words do hurt, don't they? They really do. You know, you know, you've been hurt by other people's words. You know, we all have. And so you think about the subject of anger and how anger is so often connected to our words. And so what sometimes can stir us... What can kind of cause our fuse to be short and cause us to kind of explode a bit? What can do that? Words. Words can do that. And so Solomon so long ago you know, said... That backbiting tongue will bring forth an angry countenance. And as Christians, you know, th- we shouldn't be doing this. You know, we are a people who are daily trying to live a renewed life, a transformed life. And that, ta- that takes a lot of work on our part. But yet, you know, we are trying to overcome the ways of the world, which, you know, you think about just in the past you know, decade or so, You know, this the emotions that are so high across the land, you know, and Christians need to be a light in this darkness of anger, this anger that just is just all around us. And so you think about chapter 26 as well. uh, And so it talks there about another aspect of a misuse of the tongue. And it's the it's the term whispering. Yeah, yeah, some may you know, you know use the word gossip gossiping. But you look there in the twenty sixth chapter, verse twenty. He said, "For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there's no whisper, contention quiets down." Yeah, and that's true. Sometimes if we'll just sit down and be quiet, you know, things can settle down, and solutions can be then found out. But he goes on to read in that passage, Like charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a whisper are like dainty morsels, and they go down into the innermost parts of the body. And they point there, and it's not, that's not a good thing. <laughs> that, the morsel of contention that goes deep into the heart of an individual is not good. And so we see, you know, what what could cause us to be angry? What could cause us to make other people angry? Well, these are some of the things that stir it up: hatred and pride, and our words. And that, you know, and that and that is so true. But let's let's kind of look at some things, some more positive things, from the standpoint of uh, you know, why should why should we control it? What's you know, what's the what's the benefit of controlling anger besides you know not sinning? And not displeasing God, but what are some benefits of us exercising a healthy control of our emotions? And anger is one of those things. And when you, you know, when you when you think about Proverbs sixteen, it talks about the idea of a man who controls his anger. You know, really shows great strength. Strength of character is you know much more important than strength of body, physical strength. Because with strength of character, you gain respect and appreciation. That's a lasting value, you know, and that people can appreciate in you. But you, you look there in chapter 16, verse 32, where he says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. When we are able to keep a check on the emotion of anger... He says, we are showing great strength. And, and it's true. You know, if you've ever been in a moment where something really upset you, but you contained yourself. And it took a lot of containment, didn't it? It took a lot to keep that in. You know, you know if you're hurt and... And you, th- and you and, and like I say, and there's this tendency sometimes we want to we want to lash out. Yeah, but yet the strength is seen is when that moment strikes and that emotion reacts, but you control it. That strength. And that's the kind of strength the Lord wants us to have. But also, not only strength you know, is gained when we exercise this kind of control in our life, but also, you look over in, in chapter 15, verse 23, you know, there's wisdom as well. You know, A man has joy in an apt answer, and how delightful is a timely word. So not only you keeping yourself in check, but also, okay, you know, being able to control that speech. So... The right thing is said at the right time in the right way. That's wisdom. Yeah. And so controlling anger helps us gain wisdom. And, and then also there's a sense of honor that comes with that as well. In Proverbs 20 verse 3 where it says, Keeping away from strife is an honor for a man. Kind of goes with that idea of you know, staying away from the influences of anger. Yeah. Yeah, And so you you don't catch, you know, that contagious uh, emotion. He says, keeping away from strife is an honor for a man, but any fool will quarrel. And so, you know, there's some very positive reasons. Besides the fact, you know, anger is a sin that can cost us our soul in eternity in hell. And besides the fact, it is displeasing to God, it unchristlike unchrist-like, there are some very there's some personal benefits that helps us grow as individuals, as human beings, to gain strength and wisdom and honor. Let us conclude with his last, you know, last thought here, right? and that is: okay, what can I do? You know, to restrain it. What, what, what are some steps that we can take, you know, to you know, exercise effective control? And so he begins with the idea of discretion, wisdom. You know, you, know, you think of that of speech itself. You know, you know being able to wisely you know, decide when to talk and when not to talk. And what to say and what not to say. That takes a lot of work. That takes a lot of practice in doing that. And that's, hard, that's a hard thing to do always. It's a hard attribute to gain. And, and when I thought about his thought here, you know, it, it made me think of the, beatitude, the last beatitude in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. You know, that's a hard, hard one to, to, to ponder and apply. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. And then it goes on to talk about praying for them and rejoicing. You know what's absent in all of that? Anger. Let's see, that's wisdom. That's discretion being exercised. And so we've talked a little bit about the idea of a soft answer. That's been suggested. Uh, But definitely the idea of, of, you know, don't take vengeance. But perhaps, you know, just learning how to be a little bit slower, being a little bit slower in our reactions. And so, you know, I think this is some very practical wisdom, obviously, that Solomon shares with us. But, you know, Brother David did just an excellent job to, to conclude here on a positive direction for us to take home and try to, okay, how can I use this in dealing with my anger and your anger so that we reflect Christ not. We do. Brother Bruce, y'all can come come on in. Go ahead, Brother Bruce.
1: Yeah. Well, it's it's much like the example of a wild horse. Uh, a wild horse is not useful mm-hmm. uh, to man. A wild horse is uh, does have a lot of power, but once that power is harnessed, he becomes useful. How does that happen? His spirit has to change. Mm-hmm. And man has to change his spirit. God has to change ours to have the ability to get angry or the ability to do something great and powerful, but yet restrain it. Yes. Then we bring not only honor for ourselves, but honor for, for God and we become useful.
0: That's a good point to end on. Thank you very much, Brother Bruce. Well, Lord willing, Brother David will you know, return uh, and we'll be continuing the study of Proverbs. Uh, if you don't have uh, the outline of the topics and the verses that will be you know, considered each week, there's, you know, at least there was, there were still some copies on the back ledge you know, you know, for you to pick up. Thank you very much.